0: you're listening to a CFCC audio podcast for news and service times visit www.cfccnet.org
1: good morning we're so glad you're here and if especially if you are a guest here we would love to uh, just know more about you we would love to meet you after the service at our welcome desk in the back. we would uh, love for you to fill out one of those cards in front of you, that, uh, that way we know uh, who you are, that you are here, and that way we can just serve you better. And uh, again, we're just so glad that you are here. And just a few announcements. Uh, a week from this Wednesday, on uh, February 26th, we will be having our Ash Wednesday service. It'll be at 6.30, it'll be, like I said, a week from Wednesday, February 26th, will be the Ash Wednesday service, so mark that down. and. Um, Just keep in your mind that a Spring Fest is coming up, March 29th. Just uh, keep in mind those people you want to invite and just uh, mark that on your calendar. And uh, another membership class is coming up. On February 23rd and March 1st, we'll be having membership classes. If if you're interested in becoming a member or you just want to know more about our church, we invite you to come to this class on the uh, 23rd and then on March 1st. And then tonight, just uh, if you are in 6th grade through 12th, uh, we invite you to come to our uh, student ministry tonight, uh, Multiply. We are going to be turning this church into an escape room. It's going to be a great time. Hopefully, y'all escape because I don't want to be here all night. (laughs) But again, if you're in sixth to twelfth grade. Man, we just want you to be there. If you've never been before, it'll be a great time for you to hang out with our students and um, it's, it's going to be a fun night. So we invite you to that. But for our offering time today, you often hear when we talk about offering, you hear about God loves a cheerful giver, right? And if I had to guess, not everybody came in here cheerful. It's easy to... Like, you know, you, you have plans or things are going well, and just something can turn that quickly to where it no longer seems cheerful. And so if that's how you came in, I just want to be an encouragement today. In Psalm 139, God talks about, through David, how we're fearfully and wonderfully made, how he spent time on us, how he created us. And some of you came in with heavy burdens, Some of you came in with heavy hearts, some of you uh, are angry or frustrated, and some of you maybe feel like you're far from God. You're like, I didn't come in with this cheerful attitude that you talk about. In Hosea chapter 11, God's talking about Israel, but I just want you to hear the tenderness of God as a father in this verse. He says, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And if you don't know, Israel was struggling with rebellion, idols, not focusing on Yahweh. He's like, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And more they called, the more they went away from him. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and they kept uh, burning incense to idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. And I took them in my arms and they did not know that I healed them. If you're a parent in here, you probably understand that a little bit. Some of you have had rebellious children where you do so much for them and you don't understand why they're rebelling. And this is what God's talking about. And He starts talking about these judgments and then skip down and just hear the tenderness of God. They've rebelled, they've given up on God. And here's what He says How can I give you up? How can I surrender you? How can I. And he starts talking about my heart is turned over within me and my compassions are kindled. He says, I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim, again, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. If you are a child of God and you feel far away, hear these encouraging words. If you don't feel very cheerful, hear what he says. I will never give you up. How could I give you up? I created you. So if nothing else today, if everything else seems wrong or things just aren't seem like they're going right, just remember God right here. How could I give you up? What an amazing father we have. So during this offering time, whether it's money, time, anything we're giving to God, let's do it cheerfully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you... We pray that each person in here will just give to you their whole life, God. Not just money, not just, not just volunteering, God, but our whole life we will give to you, Father. We thank you for all the blessings you have given us and I pray that whatever is given, God, you will multiply and you will help us reach the community. We love you and all of today is for your glory, God. It's in your son's name, amen. So good
0: to be here today um, as we give God, we give our Father, we give our King our mind's attention and our heart's affection. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity to worship you. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you in prayer, worshiping you in communion and giving in your word, Father, may we worship you now as we hear you and as we obey you, as we open our hearts to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we continue our series, uh, Counterculture, multi month series, but over the last two weeks and today we focused on the Beatitudes in particular. And um, when we talk about this counterculture, we talk about uh, our perspectives being turned upside down. Um, Jesus called people to follow him and the path that he called them to walk down was counterculture to the world in which he lived and it's counterculture to the world in which we live. Unless we experience, unless we experience um, something big, um, something cataclysmic, um, something tremendous in our life, uh, we are not able to be a part of that counterculture. I wonder if you heard these words. You need a heart transplant. Your physicians sitting there, he sent you to a specialist who, a cardiologist, who is now your physician. Uh, he's done everything over the process of several years to care for you, but he tells you, you need a heart transplant you know, I guarantee you would have some questions. Um, You would have some pretty serious questions. And I think your first question, I have a few statistics would be um, how dangerous is the surgery, doctor? How dangerous is this surgery? And and incredibly, um, heart transplants, the survival rate has increased incredibly uh, over time incredibly, Um, survival rates at one year is 84.5%, two years, 80%, five years, 72.5%. That's pretty huge, is it not? One thing you might ask is, is doctor, if I don't have a heart transplant, I'm just scared of this. I I really don't wanna go down this path. I've seen others go through transplant surgeries and it's not been a good story. What if I don't have a heart transplant? Doctor says, well, I really can't tell you. I can't guarantee uh, how long you'll live. I can't guarantee the quality of your life. It's possible um, that, I mean, there's these artificial hearts that can keep you alive a long time today, but uh, I'm not sure you'd even qualify for one of those. Well, doctor, I, you know, I, I'm have an average wage. I'm I'm not a very rich man, and and I really don't want to ruin my family's future financially to have this surgery. I'm mean, a very conscientious man, very conscientious person. How much is this going to cost? And and the doctor says, well, it really depends on your insurance coverage, but the actual cost of the procedure, on average, is 1.3 million dollars today. That's the truth. Three times the cost of a kidney transplant. $1.3 million. I heard the other day, uh, I read about this, uh, a transplant procedure which is 100% successful. Not 84 point whatever, not 80%, 100%. The um, survival rate, uh, it doesn't even affect the survival rate of a person's life. It, it, it's indefinite. Indefinite. You can live for all practical purposes. You, know, you can live as long as you normally would have lived. Said, so, But the cost is far more than the $1.3 million dollars. The cost is unbelievable. And so we read in this passage. In Ezekiel, it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. And a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. It's very interesting um, Hearts, we talk about them hardened spiritually, but hearts, when they are diseased and unhealthy, the muscle stops working properly. It's kind of like a hard heart. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The cost for you to receive that heart costs God his one and only son, pure and simple, pure and simple. I was actually at the medical center one day and, and a friend of mine was awaiting a heart um, transplant. So they were awaiting a heart and they happened to be at the doctor's office and, and their health was pretty fragile and, and we knew each other very well. And, and so I just walked across the sky bridge. I, I think I was at St. At Luke's, I can't remember. Walked across the sky bridge to a professional building. She was in the lobby of the heart surgeon's office. And while I was there visiting her, the physician's assistant came in and said, a heart has become available. No joke, I'm there, just chatting it up with her, had a cup of coffee. And you know, two emotions occurred at that moment. Great joy, and yet it was a somber moment. There was sadness. Sadness. Because for her to receive her new heart, someone had to lose their life. So guys, as we talk about this counterculture this isn't morality. This isn't you just doing your best and doing good. No, this is radical transformation on the inside of your life that allows you to live different. There is a change. There's brokenness, remember? There's bankruptcy. And that bankruptcy causes us to, to seek God and that bankruptcy causes us to be under the control of our master meekness. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want our world to be the way God wants it to be. And so to live part of this counter culture movement requires our hearts to be totally and radically changed. I want to read Um, the Beatitudes in their entirety one more time. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Matthew 5. And he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. They're mourning the fact that they've chosen their way over God's way. They're mourning that spiritual bankruptcy. It's not just mourning someone's death, it's mourning who we are as rebels. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. First, let's look at this. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see. God. The heart, the heart is the center of man. In a Jewish perspective, which that is what Jesus operates from, he doesn't operate from a Greek perspective. A Jewish perspective, man is a soul and the soul is made up of a body and a spirit. The heart equals the spirit. The heart equals the will. Heart, spirit, will. It's the center of man. It, it's where our creativity comes from. It's where initiative comes from. The heart As at the core, the mind, the body flow from that, and it's only the heart that has opportunity to really control us outwardly, the body. See, when we try to control our outward actions, but our heart has not been changed, it doesn't work. When we try to change our mind, our thinking, but we don't start at the core, the heart, it doesn't work. That's why Jesus focused, and scripture focuses, on the heart. Dallas Willard talks about the heart. It's the executive center of the health. It's the core of the human being. It's the part to which every other component of the self owes its proper functioning. The heart is not feelings. It's not just flesh. The heart is at the center of who we are. My daughter was at the house a few weeks ago and she was dissecting a pig heart on my table. (laughs) You know, it was ridiculous. (laughs) But... And it had been pickled. Um, I, I remember um, going to junior high, and I went by the butcher. You know, I was all I, I was a you know do the extra effort type student, right? And I can remember going to the butcher and getting a cow heart and bringing it to school. It was it was cool. It was fresh, right? A little blood in the meat packaging, right? And um, but you could make the thing sound like it was beating just by moving it correctly. It's amazing, right? But see, not everyone thinks it's amazing. <laughs> Isabel's up here going. <laughs> not Stephen, though, he kind of likes it. So But see, heart's not this pound of flesh or however big it is in our chest. It's not butterflies. It's at the core of who we are and that is why so much emphasis is placed on it in the scripture. And this, this just demonstrates this. Proverbs 27, verse 19, as in water face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. If you wanna see who you really are, you have to look deep. Your face doesn't tell you who you are. It identifies you to others, but who you are is deep within you. It is your heart. Samuel is about to anoint a king, and he's gone through all the sons, right? And Eliab, he's one of, one of the sons, David's brother. Eliab, he's the dude you would pick for your team. He was the dude you would pick if you were going to war, He was even the dude that you'd pick to put on the front of GQ magazine. That was funny, by the way. That's one of my best, right? (laughs) This guy had it all. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him. Because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. That's the problem Jesus had with the Pharisees. And guys, just be honest. I'll be honest. It's a problem we have as well. We get very concerned about the outward and we neglect the inward. We get very concerned. I'm not just talking about your, your looks, going to the gym. No, I'm talking about looking good for other people, including believers. We don't want to look bad. But the truth is God sees our heart. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. A hypocrite was an actor on the stage. The word hypocrite means to wear a mask. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. He's saying this to the Pharisees, the most religious. The most concerned about keeping the law. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Pure in heart. This word, pure. If you'd allow me, I, I would just like to be very specific here. And, and I really didn't look at the connection to catharization. You know, when y'all know what I'm talking about? You have a heart procedure. It, it'd be very interesting, but had too much in my message. So I need to just be quiet because I just said I had too much in my message, right? But the Greek word's katherizo. i I just really want to see if there's a connection. But look, unmixed. Pure, unmixed, unadulterated, sifted, genuine, real. Now let's look at the heart passage in Ezekiel in its context. Context is always very important. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Verse before. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your, what? Idols. 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 See, a heart of stone is a divided heart. A heart of stone is, its primary focus is not on God. The heart is not loving God with everything The person has loving other things. God's just one among many. That's called idolatry. And so God says, I will cleanse you and clean you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you, you see the context? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put. Within you. I'll take your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Sinclair Ferguson writes The impurity that is involved here is the impurity of compromise and accommodation. The impurity that is involved here is the impurity of compromise and accommodation. The impure versus the pure, the impure heart is not just unclean, it's undecided and divided. It's undecided and divided. I need Ira up here because all I can do is that. I can't do anything else good, but um, is a basketball guy. Cody wishes I was saying he's a basketball guy, but I'm just going to talk about Ira, right? When you draw anything in this life close up to your face, it blocks your view of everything else. Sure, I can see Caleb over here, my peripheral vision, but I can't see big things in front of me. And the biggest thing in front of us all is, guess, God. If we're to have undivided hearts, right? If he's to be our primary focus, if we're not going to put idols before, see, this can be an idol. Sports can be an idol. Professional sport. I love March Madness. That's why I have a basketball up here. Seriously, I will watch a lot of basketball during March Madness. For whatever reason, I've not watched a lot of ball this year. I don't even know my favorite team, whether they're still at one loss or not. Do you know? Do you know my favorite team, Lane? Gonzaga? You're U of H guy? U of H is great. You're not. Who are you in favor of? You don't like college, you are terrible. You need to get out of here if you don't watch college basketball. Ira, who is your favorite team? (laughs) St. John's. Is Mullen still the coach? Who, he got fired? (laughs) I didn't know. See, I've been out to lunch. Anyway, you see this, that went too long. You see this? The Lion of Judah. I cannot see the Lion of Judah at all. The things of life block the line of Judah. Now, whatever's like basketball for you, be careful because it'll become an idol. It will become an idol in your life. I'm not against wine. Some of you don't drink because maybe of a past alcohol problem, so I'm not advertising wine. I'm simply saying The devil's not in this bottle. Do you hear me? It's the abuse of anything the devil can be in that. But see, this bottle, I have to do it just right. Blocks the line. Don't see the line at all. As skinny as this bottle is, I can get consumed with alcohol. I can get consumed with any substance. To numb my soul, to numb my heart—that's that's that's just true. Prescription drugs, probably, in fact, not a bigger problem in America than alcohol, no doubt. Smallest thing, smallest thing, blocks my view the greatest. The smallest thing I better take that back. My wife's sitting right there. (laughs) I'll never recover. (laughs) Psalm twenty four, three through six. Psalm twenty four. Three through six. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Here he is again. I'm reading the NLT. I'll read the, I'm sorry, I'm reading the ESV. I'll read the NLT in just a moment. He who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. NLT, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob, O God of Jacob." Guys, when I talk about this pure in heart, our immediate response, that's not me. Guys, I know my heart. I can't make my heart clean. Only God can. Every person who's ever lived on the face of this earth who longs to be a part of this counterculture movement, to be a part of the kingdom of heaven... Their heart of stone has to be transplanted and they're given a heart of flesh. How does this happen? It happens through faith in Jesus Christ. It's very simple. We place our faith in the one who sacrificed his life, gave his life, that we might have life. Second, Second, you can find real clarity when you focus your primary attention on God. That's first, excuse me. You can find real clarity when you focus your primary attention on God. You will see God. You see that? It involves seeing him someday, but it also involves seeing God God is at work around you and God longs to work in you. Make no doubt about it. Second beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. The word peace here, harmonious, free from disputes, absence of war. But the Hebrew concept of peace, I think lives In this passage, shalom, wholeness, health, well-being, wholeness, health, well-being. It's both. It's reconciliation. It's man being made right with God. That's what the whole first point was about, right? It's man being made right with man, And it's ultimately this world being made right with God when the Prince of Peace comes again. But you see, we're to seek, we don't just man's made right with God, man's made right with man, and and we just have a little kumbaya moment for the rest of our life. No, we are on mission to help this world be made right with God. 2 Corinthians, we I love 2 Corinthians um, chapter five. 2 Corinthians chapter five. Let's see if I can find it. Verse 21. But again, context is so important. This is a passage on peacemaking. Listen to it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That sounds kind of similar. Heart of stone, heart of flesh. The old has passed away behold the new has come man's relationship with god peace is made all this is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself man with god and gave us uh oh here it comes the ministry of what he gave all of us this ministry He didn't just give pastors his ministry. He didn't just give people who believe they have the gift of evangelism, helping people hear the gospel this minute. He gave all of us this ministry. Listen to this. It's a a very um, picturesque passage. The ministry of reconciliation, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself Not counting their trespasses against them, that's a beautiful picture, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's called good news. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. We are going in the authority of God to share the good news with a world in need. Ambassadors live on foreign soil, do they not? This world's not our home as it is currently. We live on foreign soil. Blessed are the peacemakers. God is calling you and I to be ministers of reconciliation, peacemakers in a world in need. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A lot of scriptures today, I realize that. A lot of scriptures we're finishing up. Uh, I want it to finish well today. And I, I love the, these images, the image of a heart, the image of an ambassador. I love the images that God gives us in these passages. And this, this second key principle you can find your real identity when you engage in relational reconciliation. Your identity, you were created for this. We become the sons of God. Every follower of Jesus is a son of God. So I presume that every follower of Jesus should be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. We should be peacemakers. Not only in a world in need, but also in churches. I've been a part of churches when they were going through division. It's the ugliest thing, in my opinion. It's worse than families going through division. We are a family, but we're God's family that gathers in this place. Are y'all with me? And so appeasing troubled people, people who make trouble, is not how you deal uh, with peacemaking in the church. You know, there's the kind of the say nothing piece, right? If you just not say anything, peace, you know, we'll have peace. You know, I, we have had uh, at, uh, Jennifer's parents' house and we, we honored the rule. You know, there's a family member whose political position, you know, I could have got right in the middle and made everyone mad. I kind of like to do that. But uh, this person, it would have been an explosion in the house if someone would have started talking politics. And and they're a distant, they're really not even our family. But anyway, you get the point? So we just say nothing. If you'll say nothing, this will go. This will go away. Do that in church. Because we just want to keep the peace at all costs. Guys, that, that destroys churches because that's called dysfunction. The truth will set you free. And if no one will speak the truth, that's that's what peacemaking is. It's speaking the truth. So we must, we're called to speak truth, but be very careful here. I've met obnoxious people speaking the truth. Seriously, I mean, it's embarrassing to see how some people treat the gospel and treat other people. You know, we do it in humility. We do it in brokenness. We remember what it was like when our hands were empty and we came to God with nothing, remember? Blessed are those who are bankrupt, those who are broke. We do it in wisdom, not in foolishness. Jesus said as we go out into the world, a whole nother sermon, we're to be as cunning as a serpent And as harmless as a dove, we engage our brains and we're extremely gentle. Peacemakers, peacemakers, not just keeping the peace. You know, there's, um, there's one old saying, I'd never heard of it before. I kind of like it says we can get people to put down their guns. We can get people to put down their guns, but we can't get them to stop hating. We can get people to put down their guns, but we can't get people to stop hating. Apart from radical renovation of the heart. Last, last. So interesting how these two items, these two items go back to back kind of a strange context blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake you go from peacemaking to persecution blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake not just the persecuted this goes back to the same concept you know we don't have a, a martyr complex where we're not being as obnoxious as possible so everyone attacks us no We're going out like Jesus went out. And yet Jesus was opposed, was he not? He was persecuted. You can find real life when you're willing to pour your life out. Jesus said these words in John John chapter 15, verse 18. Now, guys, when we think of persecution, I think I'll just share these statistics. When we think of persecution, we don't think of us. I typically don't think we think of us, I think we think of people way out there somewhere, way away. That's really not what Jesus said. But guys, when we talk about persecution, we can't just talk about us because there are thousands upon thousands of people who are suffering for Jesus Christ in ways we we don't even understand. The number 10 country on the top 10 countries, and it's number 10, it's not number one, number 10, It's only been on the list twice, believe it or not, is India. And there's a reason that India has recently gone on this list. And it's because of recent elections have emboldened ultra-nationalists. And so their their bottom line, they're saying to be Indian is to be Hindu, period. And that's not true in India. There's lots of Christians in India. But the ultra-nationalists are saying to be Indian is to be Hindu. And so several states in India have imposed anti-conversion laws. You cannot convert to Christ without penalty. And there's concern that it might sweep the whole country. Second largest country in the world. Number one country. Number one country. The most dangerous place for Christians to live. North Korea. It's been on the list number one for 19 years in a row. Christians in North Korea, this might sound so foreign to us, they don't even tell their children, their followers of Jesus, typically until their adolescent teenage years, because they don't want their child to slip and cause their family to be wiped out. They hide portions of the scripture. They're not often privileged to have the script, a portion of the scripture, it's hid persecution. We should pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted throughout the world. Um, Here's the list. Number two, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Sudan, Yemen, Iran, India. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He's chosen you out of the world. You're a citizen of God's kingdom. You're an ambassador for Christ. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you If they kept my word, they will also, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Persecution. I I am not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe I have a martyrdom complex. But you can count on it, persecution of followers of Jesus who share good news, who have these counterculture norms in their life, persecution will continue to rise. By the time I die, I don't know what it's gonna look like. If I live, as long as my dad did, I definitely don't because he lived to 91. What will you do? It's my prayer, you will stand Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The beginning, theirs is the kingdom of God. The end, last beatitude, theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on to explain this whole persecution thing. Blessed are you when people insult you, it gets personal. I truly believe if you live your faith without compromise, you're not a secret Christian, but you live your faith. I mean, you're a gentle, caring, serving believer. You do speak up for those that no one else speaks up for. I believe you'll pay a price even this day, even in this country. And you'll be blessed Jesus tells those who are persecuted, rejoice, rejoice. For the prophets were persecuted as well. Rejoice. I think of um, Peter and John. They were arrested early in the book of Acts. And the Bible says when they were released from the council, when they were released from prison, when they're released for being beat, they rejoice to be counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. I'm gonna ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. If God is stirring your heart, don't take it for granted. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The greatest privilege you'll ever experience is the stirring of God in your heart. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. God runs to us. God meets us. Hearts of stone. It seems impossible that God can stir. He can draw. He can move. He longs to take that heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that we might live as his kingdom people for the rest of our life on this earth and for all eternity. The price is great. And we celebrate that price every Sunday as we take the bread. Jesus came to be a servant. He left heaven's throne And as we dip the bread in the cup representing the blood of Christ, He gave His life literally, so we literally might have life. God is good, He's worthy of our praise. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to celebrate your grace. Father, we pray for your church throughout the world who's celebrating your grace around a cup, around a loaf. Father, we're part of your church, the body of Christ. May we hurt as our brothers and sisters hurt. May we not. Be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ may we be gentle and kind and yet may we speak words of reconciliation may we help people know that there's a God who is good whose grace is real who longs to call us his sons and daughters We thank you for the table of grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you come and celebrate the life God has given you? You know, when we talked about the heart of stone, the heart of flesh, you know, there's a moment in time in our life when that change occurs. No doubt, as followers of Jesus, um, we can stray, and our hearts become hard, but the Spirit calls us, and we lay aside whatever it is we 've allowed um, to take god 's place. But initially, initially there 's a point in time when that miracle, that heart transplant takes place. and if you would just just watch with me, the lion. But you see that divided heart that heart that has other priorities and, and God's never been number one. Christ has never been Savior Lord. All these things block us from the lamb. The lamb that was slain. It doesn't matter what it is. Our, our Our whole vision can be blocked and us miss the lamb. Again, it it doesn't, really, I'm not being funny. It doesn't matter what it is. We don't see the lamb. It is something keeping you from taking that childlike step of faith I don't know where you stand. I have many adult friends who followed Jesus as an adult. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's the most beautiful thing ever. We've baptized adult after adult over the last few years. It's a beautiful thing. I'm going public with my faith. I know my heart has never been radically changed and I want to follow Jesus. It's simple. We place our trust in Jesus as our Savior and our King. We turn to the Lamb and He becomes our Lion, our King. Our prayer um, partners are in the back. They're here up front. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, no doubt in your mind, but something has blocked your view of God. Would you just come and pray and say, God, I need that set aside. I ask you to change my heart. Let's worship. It's been so good to be here with you today. If you're a guest today, don't forget, we have a gift for you uh, in the foyer at the um, welcome table Uh, Again, I just hope that as you launch out into your week, um, you will know that God is with you and you, you um, are his hands and his feet seeking to be uh, his presence in a crazy, crazy world. Go in peace.